0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. This is Molly. So, Molly... Yes, Halloween season is upon us. Yes, this is supposed to be our spooky podcast. Spooky podcast. And you know what? This time of year makes me think of what song comes to mind. Witchy Woman by the Eagles. Or Season of the Witch by Donovan. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think if I can name any other songs, more songs about witches. Well, when we think about all these songs about witches, like Witchy Woman, Season of the Witch, what comes to mind? A woman. Yes, yes. Why are witches always associated with women? Yeah, because I used to think that, well, a witch is a woman because a warlock is a man. But nay, Molly, two different things entirely. Both men and women can be witches. So I think for this Halloween, let's set the record straight on witches. Okay,
0: let's do it. Do they have green faces? Do they ride on brooms? These are things I need to know. Yes. Do they really like black cats? Is it still a great Halloween costume? That one I can answer. Yes. Yes. Okay. So now we started researching witches, and we found out that there's really no one definition for a witch. It means different things to different people, but there are some notable characteristics that have emerged. These are people who meet secretly at night, indulge in cannibalism, have sex with the devil, and perform black magic. And they usually don't wear many clothes, I've realized from our readings. Right. We have this um, stereotypical witch costume in mind, but, I mean, if you really want to be a witch for Halloween, walk around naked. Sexy witch.
1: So they also use incantations, which are formulas or chants to invoke evil spirits. They use divination and oracles, amulets and charms, potions, dolls. And they can use all of this for good?
0: as the Wizard of Oz pointed out, or for evil. evil. Um, now, they had all of these things in all sorts of cultures dating back. and in, in all cultures through history, there have been people who have used incantations, who have had, like, you know, these elements of sorcery. It's always been part of folklore. But the idea of a witch itself... Only emerged in Europe at the end of the Middle Ages.
1: And this idea of the witch arises during the Reformation, in which um, uh, we have the birth of the Protestant Church. And then we also have a lot of stuff going on in the Catholic Church where they're really trying to clean house and get rid of heretics. Yeah. And
0: you know what that means? What? Let's get rid of witches. And we do this because in 1484, Pope Innocent put out a papal bull, which is just a fancy word for document. And I wish we called all documents bulls. But anyway, he puts out this document that condemns witchcraft as Satanism, and it's the worst of all possible heresies. And this is when um, this association with the witch and the devil gets made. Because at that time, is there anything worse than the devil? No. no. The devil has caused all sorts of trauma up until this point, like the plague, the plague. People have died. We need to get rid of the devil. And so, in looking for a scapegoat, after this papal bull comes out, these inquisitors named Heinrich Kramer and Joseph Springer write a book that probably does the most sort of damage women and witches, which is called, I might pronounce this wrong, Malleus Maleficarum. A.K.A. Hammer of the Witches. Which is what we'll call it from now on, because Hammer of the Witches is so much cooler as a name.
1: Yeah, Hammer of the Witches is a pretty radical name for a book. Um, and this was the first book that really lashed out against women as witches. This was the the sole defining characteristic of this book because other people had written about witches and the need to get them out and punish them for their, their devil dealings. But uh Heinrich Kramer really had a bone to pick with women as witches, for instance, because they said that uh, specifically midwives surpass All others in wickedness, and they thought that women were definitely more prone to be witches because of the supposed carnality of women, because we have this uncontrolled sexual lust that would lead us into the snares of the devil.
0: And we were also um, feebler in intellect, so we wouldn't be able to resist him with any sort of, you know, smarts or wits. Um, but you know, the thing is, it's not just that Kramer was an awful misogynist, although that's how the book reads. It was actually a pretty well, um, researched and cited books. It cited a lot of the scholars of the time. So, you know, yeah, it was damaging, but people try to, try to give Kramer a little bit of a, of an out.
1: And at the same time, uh, and this is coming from a paper by Tamar Herzig, um, in the Middle Ages, on the flip side of this witchcraft, witchery, sorcery stuff going on, um, you have this idea of the mystical sainthood and saintly female mystics who are also gaining prominence in the church. And while she's the emblem of piety, the witch would be her mirror image, this evil woman. And there are thoughts that maybe this idea of the female witch is more popular to downplay the authority of these female mystics in the church at that time, which was very Mm male-dominated.
0: So we have this book come out, and even though it's very misogynist and says that women are are really more likely to become witches, and midwives especially are just witch incarnate, um, we found a lot of sources that say, you know, this book is important, but it's not the only reason why we think of women as witches. It's not the reason that the women were killed because it was thought to be witches um and encyclopedia britannica says there's really no satisfactory explanation for why women were the most um accused of witchcraft and the most that died and let's throw out some numbers they claim that about 110,000 people were tried for witchcraft and no more than 40 to 60,000 60, were executed not millions and millions as sometimes is reported but 40 to 60,000 <laughs> Still kind of a high number. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't just <laughs> qualify the numbers of people executed. <laughs> I shouldn't just write that off as nothing. But I feel like that's when you read a lot of these essays, that's what the scholars do. They say, Oh, it's not as big a deal as you think, and oh, it wasn't an attack on women. But it they could never be really
1: worse. Yeah, they <laughs> never really
0: explain why it wasn't an attack on women. Because we have this book that says
1: Midwives are bad. Midwives are bad, and women are full of carnal lust, and their souls are basically porous, devil-absorbing sponges. (laughs) But there are a
0: few other explanations that do make some sense to me. Um, Like we said at that time, the devil was just the greatest enemy of the church, and... You know, when you've got a Protestant Reformation and this Catholic Counter-Reformation going on, it emphasizes emphasizes the idea that you alone are responsible for your own salvation. So it divides people into good going to heaven and bad not going to heaven. So Mm -hmm. obviously you don't want to be bad. So it's much
1: more easier to blame a sin on your neighbor. Yeah. And it also is a simple way to explain misfortune, general misfortune that happens in life, such as stillborn children or crops failing or plague befalling your house. Of course, it's witchcraft because at that time they, they don't know. They don't have the, the knowledge and the scholarship to know exactly what's happening. They don't know, you know, that maybe it was a woman's nutrition or, uh, or uterus or something that caused the child to die in the womb. So they blame it on the midwife.
0: It's a way just to make sense of inequality. You know, if your crops fail, and that was one of the most common um, things that happened that led to an accusation of witchcraft. Um, it was, it was not, you know, things like people growing a third nose. It was really simple suspicions involving livestock, crops, storms, disease, property and inheritance, inheritance sexual dysfunction, family feuds, marital discord um sibling rivalries in local politics. It's not, you know, it's not like anyone turned anyone into a toad. But if your crops fail and you remember that your neighbor looked at you funny, then hey, let's blame it on that.
1: And there's also an interesting connection between uh, birth control and which is and this comes from um, a paper by Gunnar Heilson and Otto Steger, um called Witchcraft Population Catastrophe and Economic Crisis in Renaissance Europe. And um, it points to the Malleus Maleficarm, a.k.a. Hammer of the Witches, that defines the concept of birth control as, quote, seven methods by which the witches infect the venereal act and conception of the womb. So in these periods of lower birth rate, they would look to, the witches as having infected the wombs of the women.
0: And it wasn't just their womb. If a man couldn't perform, like I said, if it was a cause of sexual dysfunction, obviously that was the witch's fault too. But these early midwives were the ones that had the most, uh, you know, although it was rudimentary at the time, they had the most knowledge of how a woman's body worked. And so when birth rates were low after things like the plague, they needed to get the populations of Europe back up. They Mm -hmm. needed to get these witches away from the women and their, they're eating children and causing abortion methods. But, you know, like we said, it was just probably a baby dying because of malnutrition or something like that. So once they got rid of the witches, these historians tracked um population surges and generally... When they got rid of witches and had witch hunts, population surged after that, even when you accounted for things like wars and other things that have
1: been depleting the population. Yeah, things that would naturally cause baby booms, they would just point to the witches. And so then this perpetuates the idea that witches as women are evil.
0: Right. And so, you know, one thing I did find interesting, though, when um, we were researching this podcast, Kristen, is we have these... um, you know, probably Monty Python inspired uh, images of what they did to witches, you know, throwing them into ponds to see if they would float and pricking them to see if they'd bleed and and um things like that. But it really wasn't as widespread. Again, you know, this could just be scholars downplaying it like they seem to about everything with witches. But they really weren't that cruel to them all over all these countries. It was a pretty um localized phenomenon. Places where a local judge was holding trial would be that would be a place where it would be much more likely to have these weird, awful tortures. Whereas if they were more, let's say, in a town and a um, a king or a judge was presiding over this, it would probably be more of a of a decent trial by our standards. And one more interesting thing, you know, we hear about, you know, numbers and numbers, but the fact is if you killed um one alleged witch, you could make a, a pamphlet out of it, is what I was reading, and just to, uh, just to read it to all the towns... And that would scare everyone off of of thinking, you know, that it was a witch, that they had gotten the witch, so they didn't need to persecute as many people.
1: Oh, so use a witch, a single witch, as an example. Propaganda. Propaganda. Witch propaganda. So now, that's Europe in the Middle Ages.
0: Probably, if you live in the United States, the most um, dramatic example of a witch hunt we have are
1: the Salem Witch Trials. Yes, let's travel back in time to 1692 in Salem, Massachusetts, when we have an outbreak of witch hunts and witch trials that all started when two young girls started acting kind of crazy. Having convulsions, screaming. They were saying that they were being pinched or bitten. And so naturally, who's to blame? Witches. Witches.
0: So we were reading an interesting article by Elizabeth Rice called Confess or Deny What's a Witch to Do. And when you read about the Salem Witch Trials, a lot of women just confessed they were witches, which,
1: you know, made people think, well... Heck, they are witches. And she links this to Puritan beliefs at the time. Now, she points out that Puritan theology does not say that, you know, that women are necessarily the, the weaker sex and they're just going to be attracting uh, Satan's demons more easily and more readily than men, but she was saying that there was a difference in Puritan piety between men and women. For instance, um, if a woman is confessing her sins during that time, she would take on more guilt as being a broken, sinful person on the whole, whereas um, Puritan men at the time would only point to minor instances of sinning such as, you know, well, Yes, I gambled that one time, but, you know, I'm still an upright person. So it seemed like there was just a little more, uh, a little more guilt on Puritan women's shoulders. And so they were more likely to confess to these, these crimes. Right. It was almost like they saw just an ordinary
0: sin as an example of an entire vile nature. And then it, the article also said that some women confessed because they said, Hey, if you confess, you can help us. We won't hang you. Mm-hmm. So obviously a lot of women just got it out of their way, whereas some women would say, well, I'm not going to confess to a sinful nature. And when they wouldn't confess to any sin at all, then they
1: thought, well, of course, they're witches. Everyone has sin. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't. And so over a period of nine months, you have more than a 100 people who are placed in prison um for being witches and 20 are executed. It's a um, grim chapter. It is.
0: And that's but that's another one where, you know, in hindsight, we try and I don't know give the Puritans motives for why they did what they did and say, oh, we're not like that anymore. But the fact of the matter is, is that the battle against witches is not over. No, not at all. Which brings us to modern day. Kristen, we were reading a Reuters report from just last month about how so many women are being murdered, just hacked to death because they are alleged witches. And this is happening in countries ranging from South Africa to India and there are children living homeless on the streets because they're suspected of being witches and their families drive them out. Um, they don't have numbers for how many are being killed, but it's at least tens of thousands. And then when you add in beatings and taking away the property, this could possibly be affecting millions of women. And um, the U.N. and the other speakers who came together to make this report said that a lot of the problem is poverty. And then the same thing that happened in the Middle Ages where people need scapegoats for why things go wrong. And it just so happens that these elderly women and
1: children are good scapegoats. Yeah, they usually bear the brunt of when something happens. There was one story that um, an alleged witch was talking about where she, um, I think her maybe grandson was sick and she came to see him. And then the next day, the boy died. And so the mother and father blamed it on the old woman coming to see him and somehow casting some evil spell. And so, of course, she's like banished from the tribe. And there are now number of witch camps for these banished witches um, to go and actually live in a protected space so that they wouldn't be killed or maimed by other people in their tribes.
0: Right. In one Guardian article from December 2005, there was an estimate that 400 accused witches were living in six camps in northern Ghana. And um it's basically if your relative says, I, I, you know, I shun you, I take away my my commitment to you as a family member. That's where you could go and live. They wouldn't turn away anyone. Um And what was interesting is some women would deny being witches, but others would say, yeah, I'm I'm magical, but I only used it to protect my own children which is why some people thought I was a witch as I had seven or eight children and other
1: children died. And an increasing number of children are also being accused of witchcraft as well. And they're probably being linked to um, women who are accused of, uh, of being witches. Because if you if you look at the reasons why um, women in these African countries are often accused of witchcraft, first of all, we're talking about very rural, isolated areas. But at the same time, in those societies, women are uh, responsible for hearth and home and child care. Makes sense. Okay. While the men are going out and traveling and hunting and hopefully providing for the family. And one explanation that I read for um, why women are accused of being witches in South Africa was that the problems that happen are the ones that happen at home. And since women are in charge of what's going on at home, then they would naturally be the root of the evil, not the men who aren't even hanging around the house. And there's some
0: evidence that just in a patriarchal society, if a woman does get some sort of economic power over fields or over land, you know, the stereotypical man's domain, then she should be stopped, and the easiest way to do that is to call her a witch.
1: And the UN has also pointed the finger at some Pentecostal preachers in these areas um, who are uh, spreading rumors about witches being possessed with demons and wreaking havoc and evil on homes and ruining people's livelihoods because that gives them a position of importance in these societies because they need the pastor there to cast out the demons and to protect people from the witchcraft. And they're actually manipulating, um, you know, the people for personal gain because they're probably going to support him. Financially as well. So there are different levels to this this witchcraft problem that's been going on. But what's interesting
0: is that it, it, that there are instances where an organization will go in and show a villager that the actions they are blaming on a witch are actually not her fault at all. You know, there was one example in a in the Independent that um, if an organization went in and showed that cooking over an oven, a certain kind of oven, gave a woman red eyes, which is a sign of witch, witchcraft to them. If they showed it was due to the oven, then the villagers would be like, Oh, okay. That's just the oven. And if they could show that, you know, malaria caused the child to die, they'd be like, Oh, okay. That's what that was. And so to me, it was really interesting to see how when you read these scholarly accounts of witch hunts in the medieval era, they found all these reasons to explain it away. Oh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't our ignorance. It wasn't an attack against women, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like now with what's happening in some other countries, we kind of have evidence of them just saying, yeah, these are women that we want to get rid of. And there's no real way to explain it away, but we're not doing anything about it.
1: Yeah, and even the women who are cast all the camps and end up at the witch camps uh, are subject to undergoing exorcisms also, even if they firmly believe that they are not possessed by the devil and are witches. um, They still have to go through the motions to satiate the other tribe people to not come after them and kill them. Right. So I do hope that, you know, people can use this example
0: of an organization going in and being like, oh no, you get red eyes from cooking over a stove and not just saying, oh, you know, these people are, I mean, the danger is saying they're just too primitive to help. But if we do give them that education, then I think we can stop the killing of witches.
1: So I think there is a fine line to walk between not infringing on native culture but at the same time, uh, systematically killing women and children is wrong. Right. I think we could all agree with that. Right. But if we're talking about modern witchcraft today, Molly, traveling back across the Great Ocean to the United States.
0: Leaving Africa behind. Of
1: America. Um, the thing that I think about when I think about witches is the Wiccan religion. Okay. Tell me about it, Kristen. The, well, the Wiccan religion is not this dark and scary occultish art that we commonly associate with, with witchcraft. In fact, it is very, it's kind of hippie-ish, <laughs> really, to, uh, and I hope that's not offensive to any Wiccans listening to that. I only mean that in, uh, it's very earth-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's focused on worshiping the natural forces and powers in the earth and a god and goddess figure who maintain and sort of rule over these forces.
0: Right. And I I was interested that they make this vow to harm nothing, nothing, you know, on the earth or a person. It's, it's very much like you said about just harnessing available forces and
1: using them for your needed purpose. And another thing that I didn't know about uh, Wicca was that it was established in the 1940s and 50s by a man named Gerald Gardner, and he defined witchcraft as a positive and life-affirming religion. And so uh, it really hasn't been around that long. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, when you go back and you look at these conflicting definitions of what a
0: witch is and who a witch is, that makes a lot more sense that, you know, they're kind of taking a definition and
1: using part of it, but not using part of it. Yeah, and there is no devil and no hell mm-hmm. in, in the Wiccan religion. And um, the only kind of magical energy that they use is the energy, the natural energy of the cosmos. Mm. Now, Molly and I are not ex- experts in the nuances of Wicca, but just for a little bit of overview, one thing that caught my attention was that both men and women are witches Men are not warlocks because the word warlock actually means oath breaker and dates back to witch hunts, so calling a man a warlock is an insult. So really, although we have the stereotype that women are witches, men and women are witches. Men and women can be witches. And um, witches um, can a- either practice in groups called covens, or they can practice by themselves as solitaries. And um, in the Gardnerian Wiccan tradition, there are three phases of learning that witches go through. It starts out as a student witch, and then you become a practitioner slash priest or priestess, and then you become a teacher Or a high priest or priestess. And they practice different rituals throughout the year. And most notably, I would say, would be the one coming up, which is Samhain. And it is Halloween. Mm -hmm. And that is, Samhain was the Celtic festival that Halloween dates back to. So I think we've come full circle back to Halloween. Back to Halloween. So next time you see, you know, when you're out trick-or-treating or you're going to Halloween parties or you're just dressed up at work and you see someone dress up as a witch, you know, set the record straight, people. Throw some fun facts at them. Throw some fun facts. Tell them to
0: take off that pointy hat. and Yeah, they don't even know where the pointy hat came from. It may have just been a style at the time, not something that witches were like, hey, pointy hats are
1: awesome. Yeah, and guys, dress up as witches, too. This is equal opportunity witchcraft here. Anyone can practice it. <laughs> so, send us an email. Tell us, um, if
0: you are dressing up as a witch. If not, what you dressed up as, because we're always looking for good ideas.
1: And, oh, you look like you want to do some listener mail. I do want to do some listener mail, Molly. <laughs> I've got an email here from Claudia and this goes back to our hair podcast and she says for the past two years I was growing on my hair yet when it was finally getting longer I realized long hair is kind of boring. I'm in a creative profession and I prefer being able to style my hair differently with minimal time investment. I got a good haircut and couldn't be happier. It doesn't require or does require more frequent trims but I spend much less time styling it and have more options. I realized that I was just trying to grow my hair out because it seemed like the feminine thing to do i mean what girl doesn't want long lovely hair right well it turns out that i don't there you go there you go awesome claudia finding a good haircut is a hard thing to do that's very true and to find a stylist you like and trust now on the other hand Nurka, Nurka. i hope i'm saying your name right um Nurka loves her long hair She wrote in, um, she is actually a member of a forum called The Long Hair Community, where men and women come together to share hints on how to grow and how to keep their locks looking healthy by way of balanced eating, vitamins, styling, such as braiding and bunning, and natural, i.e. homemade hair products. And she had a few myths that she wanted to clear up. And Mm -hmm. she's a long hair expert, okay, Molly? So myth number one, long hair is expensive to maintain. She says, in truth... Um, long hair is actually less expensive to maintain than short hair um, and that women don't have to go to the salon every six to eight weeks. She says, One thing that I've learned in my journey to long hair is that hair must be treated as antique lace. All of those products, heating appliances, harsh chemicals actually cause damage and are quite unnecessary. When women believe that they need these things, then of course long hair is expensive and it becomes a vicious cycle. Myth number two Long hair is time-consuming, as many people assume that if shoulder-length hair takes a day to style, then twice that length must take twice as long to deal with. And I've found that as my hair grows longer, the less time I spend with it. In the past, I've dealt with a pixie cut, and every time I wash my hair, I had to spend time blow-drying and styling to avoid frizz. I've got myth number three. Long hair is considered a sign of beauty and fertility and is therefore desired. And she says, well, people may say this out loud. Many people don't believe it. I've read stories from women who say their friends and family insist that they cut their hair. They will tell them that long hair is ugly and are dirty. And they will say that women over the age of 40 should chop it off. I've looked around for sites that have women with long hair. And in many cases, I'll find that there where someone has left a comment about how it must smell bad or will ask, how does she use the toilet? (laughs) And then on the emotional attachment to hair, she says this one is a hard one to address. Our hair is something that the whole world sees. It is public, and most of us want to look our best. As for long hair, it might be a way for women to feel the most attractive. There may be a religious reason for keeping long hair. It may be simply a personal preference. I think it's unfair to assign meaning to another person's choices without having asked them first. This is something that long-haired women deal with quite often. People make all sorts of assumptions about us and our lifestyles. Such as you must be a hippie or religion. You must be a Pentecostal or our priorities. You probably pay for hair care more on hair care than you do for more important things and about our psychological states. You're afraid to cut your hair because it is a security blanket. So we've got the long hair and the short hair perspective. Yes. And then one correction, Molly, about our long hair podcast comes from Atalia. Um, she wanted to point out that our discussion on Orthodox Jewish women covering their hair was not entirely correct. She said, of course, every person has their own variations, and some families may decide to change or alter this particular custom, but in general, Orthodox Jewish women don't have to wear a head covering unless they are married, and this head covering doesn't usually cover the entire head like the Islamic hijabs do. So, correction there.
0: Okay. Thanks for your email about hair. And send us your email about Halloween
1: witches, Wicca.
0: Tell us what you're being for
1: Halloween. Incident or we're for Halloween. If
0: you want. Yeah. Molly and I love Halloween costumes. We do. We've had long long talks about it. Yes. Which is how we started
1: talking about witches in the first place. Yes. And if you want to know what I'm going to be for Halloween you should head over to our blog that Molly mentioned earlier. It's called How To Stuff. And if you want to read how Halloween works and learn more about Halloween traditions and also learn about how witches work and witchcraft go to HowStuffWorks.com